You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It's a little overcast here in TW11 today, but very pleasant and very warm as we continue to push forward to the weekend to the Irish Derby, the Northumberland Plate, and continue to digest the fallout from Royal Ascot. With an eye on what's coming up, you'll be hearing from Jessica Harrington at her press morning earlier today, talking about Spreewell as he aims to get the better of his Epsom conqueror Auguste Rodin in Sunday's Irish Derby. We'll be hearing from Monmouthshire trainer Deborah Faulkner, who bought a horse from John Gosden's stable for just 6000 and the horse is now third favourite for the massive payday handicap the Northumberland Plate at Newcastle this Saturday. That is a cracking story, and that's coming up in today's show. I'll also be talking at some length to Georges Remo from His Highness the Aga Khan stud in France about the successes of Sayuni and See the Stars and Zarak and plans for Tahira and Erevan, amongst others, and indeed the future of the studs as a whole and how the broodmare band may yet be revivified. But news today concerns the man who was in the spotlight for most of last week, Frankie Dottori. Now, you'll be familiar with his existing suspension for careless riding that we spoke about quite a bit on last week's podcast. He's appealing that. And if he gets that ban reduced and recategorized and gets the ban reduced to as few as four days from its initial nine day starting point, then he could yet ride Emily Upjohn in the Coral Eclipse. That, of course, is, is all up in the air. What is likely to happen today is that Dottori will be found in breach of the whip rules for going one over the permitted level of six in the Queen Anne stakes aboard in Spiral. And that will mean an eight-day suspension will kick in. And that will kick in on Tuesday the 11th of July. His existing benefit lasts all nine days, is set to end on the 12th of July. So therefore, Dottori's second ban would have to start on the 13th, either which way he would be ruled out of Newmarket's July Festival, which would be a particularly significant blow given that the July Cup is the one remaining Group 1 race in the calendar that he is yet to win, and he's been targeting it for for some time. There has been some speculation as to whether the stewards referred him on the day of the offence or it needed to be pointed out to them. Lee Mottishead is with me, senior writer from the Racing Post. Frankie Dettori uh, could well, indeed I'd say it's likely, that he misses the July Festival, including the July Cup, Lee. I can just about do words, Nick. Numbers generally fail me. I suspect I will be listening to the pod later on and replaying that section two or three times just so it sticks in my head. Um, but the the overall thrust of your point is clear. Um, and I think if you look at a replay of the Queen Anne stakes. Um, it is um, pretty clear, it seems to me, that Frankie does hit the horse on seven occasions. Interestingly, um, his fellow rider um, and now PGA board member, Neil Callan, highlighted this himself 
on Saturday in a tweet that said, double standards, what's going on here? I got suspended after a race last week with no evidence on the balance of probabilities linking to a video of the Queen Anne Stakes finish. Now, I think at that point, Neil plainly couldn't understand how John Velasquez had been banned for a ride at Royal Ascot on Wednesday when Frankie hadn't been banned for his ride in a race on the Tuesday. But Nick, as you've unearthed this mm. morning, speaking to the BHA, that is because John Velasquez is an international rider. Yes, that's correct. So there was a feeling that John Velasquez had been banned and for some reason Dottori hadn't. Um, the the facts are that the reason that Velasquez's ban was released was because he was an international rider and it had to be dealt with uh, expeditiously. The reasons for that, I don't know. But that is that is the reason that that ban was released. Clearly, there's been a lot of conjecture as to whether the BHA had noticed Frankie Dottori's um, alleged offence in the first place. But that's slightly neither here nor there, Lee, because if you appear on the list on the Tuesday, you appear on the list on the Tuesday. Yeah, that's right, Nick. Um, and it looks like he is going to appear on the list. And it does therefore seem highly likely that this one British group, one race that he was so very keen to try and have a crack at winning the July Cup, assuming he had a ride in the July Cup, he won't be able to to go for. And it does suggest that Frankie is going to be pretty light in opportunities over the coming weeks. You say he's away this week. He's actually banned this week. So he's banned from the 27th to the 30th. He can't ride on Saturday when one might have expected him to be at Newmarket. And you say, Nick, at the moment, as things stand pending the appeal, he's banned from the 4th to the 12th, so for nine days. And then if that doesn't get not back, in all likelihood, there'll be another eight days on top of that. So a significant chunk of July. So Frankie um, looks set to, in theory, I guess, return for meetings like uh, the King George and Glorious Goodwood after a, a midsummer break. George oh, wow. Bowie Lee has lost the horses tra uh, owned by Sheikh Abdullah Al-Malek Al-Sabah, including the very exciting two-year-old Azadna, who was disappointing at Royal Ascot, and Cadillac, with whom he'd done very well. I've spoken to George Bowie this morning. Uh, he he clearly wasn't going to be drawn on the circumstances of the split, but said, I'd like to thank Sheikh Abdullah and his family for the opportunity to train winners both in the UK and our first winners in the Middle East. I wish them all the best. We will remain good friends. Alice Haynes was giving quotes to the Racing Post yesterday after uh, taking receipt of the key horses, including a sadner. Um, just to give you George Bowie's stats for Sheikh Abdullah, Al-Malek, Al-Sabah, Lee, uh, 8 for 28 this year at 29%. Um, uh, only one other trainer has trained him a winner. That was Richard Hannon, one for 11. Tom Clover, naught for four. Richard Fahey, naught for four. Alice Haynes, naught for 10. Roger Varian, naught for one. And Bowie, eight for 28, plus three winners in Dubai. So um, he's going to do well to better that striker with anyone else. But we shouldn't really be surprised because this owner is someone who likes to, to perform the switcheroo. Yeah, I think we shouldn't be surprised, Nick, probably for two reasons. One, for the switcheroo factor that you reference, I guess most recently there was that story uh, in the summer of last year when the owner removed uh, more than 20 horses from Kevin Philippot Defoy's yard when Kevin um, turned down an opportunity to be the owner's private trainer. Um, 
George Bailey was a beneficiary on that occasion. Others have been beneficiaries in the past. I suppose the other reason why we shouldn't be surprised, Nick, is that rumours were swirling around over the weekend that something like this was in the offing. Um, the whole Azadna story was interesting up to and through Royal Ascot on the Friday before Royal Ascot. There were rumours going around on social media that Azadna might not be running in the Coventry Stakes. He received an entry for the Norfolk Stakes on the Thursday of the Royal Meeting. As it turned out, he did run in the Coventry Stakes in which he was disappointing. Um, it's clearly a, a blow for George Bowie because although he has done um, incredibly well, because he's done incredibly well with those horses, they are they are good horses, albeit for an owner who you probably take those horses in thinking that it might not last for long. Uh, George has been as prolific as one would expect this season, sending out tons of winners, including at a, a high group level. He's also developed a reputation for landing coups as well with a couple of three-year-olds, Concord and Gallimimus, who had almost no worthwhile form as juveniles, but were very heavily backed to win on their first three-year-old reappearances in handicaps and duly dotted up. So George has been trading loads of winners. He'll continue to trade loads of winners, but he won't be trading for this owner. And one wonders how long future relationships that trainers with this owner will last for in the future. I guess you just take what you can when you can. And yeah, uh, I think that's absolutely right. Count, yeah. Count the, count the days. Yeah. While we're on the business of washing up Royal Ascot, Lee, the, the figure has been published by the BHA for Mostadaf, the winner of the Prince of Wales estates. What have the, what are they given him? So they've given a very big figure indeed, Nick, 128. He's up seven on his previous BHA figure. Uh, not surprising that there was a significant hike given he dotted up in the Prince of Wales' stakes, albeit in a race where some of the horses he beat seemingly underperformed. One of those Bay Bridge is down one in the standings now to one to one Moster Daff on one to eight as a BHA figure is now in theory only one pound behind Equinox who was sensational again in Japan on Sunday but of course we have to say that the, the one two nine for Equinox is a figure in the posted Longines world rankings we've not seen Moster Daff's latest Longines world rankings figure so we're not quite performing or comparing like with like, but clearly one set of handicappers, the BHA handicappers, believe that he's worthy of one to eight. I think most people would say that if you were asking those two horses to compete, even on Mossadaf's ideal conditions of fast ground a mile and a quarter, I suspect they'd probably want to be with Equinox over Mossadaf. And that's not to diss Mossadaf, it's just that Equinox looks to my eyes, Nick, quite clearly the best horse in the world at the moment. And I would suggest by a greater margin than one pound. Just some other figures, Nick, from the latest BHA uh, revisions of official ratings, triple time. He is up 14 pounds for his queen and went on to one to one. Uh, Cardem up nine for his Jubilee success on 117. Who'd have thought Cardem would be on 117? Uh, Shaquille, 117, up six. Uh, Brad Selkingstan went up seven to 119. Courage Monami, the Gold Cup winner, up 12 to 118. Irish Derby this weekend, Lee, 340 
at the Curra on Sunday, back on a Sunday this time for the first time in a few years. Jessica Harrington will have high hopes of going a little better than she did in the derby with Spreewell. She's been holding an open morning for the press today. She's been talking to Dave Keener, and this is what she had to say about Spreewell's performance at Epsom. Yeah, hopefully Spreewell, you know, he seems to be in great form. He ran a great race in, in, in Epsom, probably a little bit unlucky not to be third. But uh, look, he's come out of that race really well, and we're looking forward to the Saturday. Uh, we'll know today now what's left in it, but um, I think he'll run a very big race, and I'm delighted that the, the weather is like it is. The ground mightn't be quite as quick as it was in, in, in Epsom, but he did cope with it very well in Epsom and came out of the race really well. And I thought he didn't handle the track at Epsom. He leaned into the camber and he didn't get the clearest of runs. With a clearer run, I'm not saying he would have won, but he would have finished a good bit closer, I would have thought. Yeah, I think I was just unfortunate where he was in the race. Uh, uh, Augusta Rodin came up his outside. He had three fancied horses in front of him and all three of them stopped at the same time at the bottom of the hill and shuffled him backwards, which was unfortunate. And from your own point of view, you had a winner at Ascot last week. The amount of goodwill towards you in the industry is quite staggering. It's great when something goes wrong with somebody within the industry, the industry really rallies around everybody. Have you noticed that? Oh, they've been absolutely amazing. You know, and I, I never expected it and the amount of people, you know, well wishes and think I'm good, uh, you know, wanting me to, you know, and I'm delighted that I have got better and everything. And, you know, and I've had nothing but good reports over the last fort fortnight. And do you understand... Uh, how that registers with people as well? I suppose because I was open about the fact of what I was going through and I hope that in doing that and doing what I did um, made other people realise that you know if you keep positive and, and keep on doing the right the, the, you know keep on going forward uh, that you can beat cancer and, and you can come out the other end of it. And you mentioned as well the fact that the horses, they were therapeutic when you were first diagnosed and throughout your, your, your treatment as well. Yeah, they were, they were fantastic because it was the thing, whatever I did, however bad I felt, I always got up and even if I only did one lot, I always went out and saw the horses, even one lot or two lots. And then, then when I wasn't feeling great, I, I retired back into the house. But I always got up every morning. And all things going according to plan, with a little drop of rain. What are your aspirations heading into Sunday's race? I would have thought that the, the winner is going to be hard to beat, but nonetheless, what are, your, what are your thoughts and what are your hopes for Sunday? Well, listen, the winner is going to be very hard to beat. He's obviously a very classy horse. But I hope we might have come on a bit from, from Epsom. You know, he's, he hasn't raced very much. And I think he's a horse that is going to go on improving. He's a strong horse and he's a very laid-back horse, so it's very hard to know here with him how well, he, how well he's working or how much he's come forward because he's very laid back and only ever does as much as he, want, he has to do. That was Jessica Harrington there talking to Dave Keener in Ireland this morning at her press day. Uh, has high hopes of getting a bit closer to August Rodin with Spreewell Lee. Um, but it, he's going to have to underperform, isn't he, August Rodin, for Spreewell to, to beat him? He surely will, Nick. I mean, obviously, I, I suppose... If you are someone who wants to be completely open-minded and has a view of taking on the favourite, you might say that two starts ago, August Rodin completely underperformed in the 2000 Guineas. Now, Aidan O'Brien um, was very quick to want to scrub that race off uh, August Rodin's record. He mounted very fair reasons why the horse had underperformed there, and he then went and won the derby. So in all probability... August Rodan will run to a similar level to he did at Epsom and win the Irish Derby. And I wouldn't want to be taking him on 
on Saturday. If you did want to take him on, you might be looking at Newmarket as a potential reason for doing so. But in all probability, he should win. And I think it also has to be said, Nick, that unless we see some surprises um, in terms of the likely runners, it's maybe not going to be the most inspiring Irish derby we've ever seen. I'm sure the uh, the the Curra would have loved to have seen King of Steel uh, going for the Irish derby and not looking over the seven stakes on Friday at Ascot. Interesting there that Connections laid out this plan of going King of the Seven Stakes onto the Grand Prix de Paris, a race whose uh, status arguably is rising at a time when the Irish Derby's reputation has been perhaps moving in the opposite direction. Um, And interesting as well, Nick, in terms of the health of the Irish Derby, that once again, its positioning is changing. So for in the past, for, for many, many years, it was run on a Sunday. And Nick, when when you and I were growing up, we'd both remember that for, it, it, once upon a time, it was, it was shown on both the BBC and Channel 4 over here. Then on the Sunday, it had a regular slot in Sunday. Grandstand over here was well, obviously being an RTE in Ireland. It moved then to a Saturday They've tried various times to run the race. I, I remember uh, I was over there, I think, for the Camelot year when it was a tea time Irish derby. Um, last year, it was moved forward in the day so that it had a position within the ITV racing broadcast window. That wouldn't have been possible this year because ITV are on air very early on Saturday because ITV is showing um, a match as part of England's build-up for the Women's Football World Cup. But this year, the Irish derby will be run on Sunday uh, again. Um, partly so that it can get part of the the, the, world, the world pool. Um, Hong Kong race on Saturday this year would have ruled out the Irish Derby in the current meeting as a world pool meeting on the Saturday. So it's going to the Sunday. But again, interesting that organisers are talking about how they hope to build to the Sunday in terms of momentum. Well, of course, last previous years, they've been talking about the Saturday as having been the ideal time. So I think the Irish Derby for a number of years has been a race that's just been struggling to reassert itself. I'm not sure in terms of the content of this year's field that will necessarily um, be easy to do. And I think the best case scenario they'll be hoping for is a glittering wide margin win for August Rodan. All right, well, all last week during Royal Ascot, with the uh, help of our friends at Huntsman in Savile Row, we ran a competition to try and find out who had given their horse the best ride of the week. And we ran a competition every day, and then we put the five winners into the hat, and then you voted again. And by a decisive margin over Asheen Murphy, Tom Marquand came out the winner for his ride on Desert Hero in the King George V handicap. And uh, as as part of that, uh, Tom, thanks to our friends at Huntsman, gets a, a brand new fully tailored bespoke suit and we're giving £500 to a charity of his choice. So um, I'm hoping, Tom, this is one of the more pleasant phone calls I've had to I've had to make to you. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Thankfully, it was a great week and uh, yeah, grateful to be um, obviously receiving uh, receiving that as a prize. It's uh, yeah, a pretty special one. It'd be unfair to to not give uh, the hero the credit for it because he he had to get really scrappy in the end and um, it was a it was a tough performance and um, 
I, I'd say a lot of the votes did come from the heart after the scenes after obviously uh, a first row winner at um, Ascot for the for the King and Queen was uh, a pretty special moment and um, yeah look, obviously it was exciting circumstances too which which probably helped. And in in terms of in terms of the race itself, to what extent were were your actions motivated by the confidence the trainer had in the horse? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, look, William is absolutely great in the fact that whenever you walk into the paddock uh, on any of these big days, there's no, um, you know, there's no tying down. It's a, it's a case of find a rhythm and, and, and do whatever you think's right. And I mean, going out as a jockey, knowing that, you know, say, for example, if Desert Hero hadn't have won and I sat that far back and, um, you know, say he didn't quite get there, you know, I... I know that I can come back in and, and, and sort of uh, I won't be getting it in the neck because he'll have faith that I did it for for what I thought was the right reason at the time. And look, that's horse racing is a game of opinions and quick decisions. And, and, and sometimes ultimately you're not going to make the right ones. But um, look, thankfully it worked out and it was all fantastic and, you know, just brilliant for, for William Morin and some of the Lodge team. Yeah, but he's recorded a massive time figure as well, Desert Hero. Do you think that's indicative not only of, of a race, clearly run at a very searching gallop, but you finished off strongly, uh, of, his, of his being a, a a really good horse, of being a, a proper group horse? Yeah, look, he, he's certainly shaped in that way. And, and you know, that run would, would certainly point him in that direction. I think, as you say, circumstances probably allowed uh, allowed that just because of the, 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 the hard gallop they went and where we were positioned. But, uh, I mean... He, he he ran a massive race in the London Gold Cup over a mile and a quarter on his first run of the year when I I was probably the one that messed it up by going too slow in front, just being conscious of the fact that it was his first run of the year. So, um, look, he's got that profile that, that he's certainly um, facing up to bigger and better things now. And, um, yeah, look, he's an extremely exciting horse for the, for the season ahead now that he's shown himself so effective at a mile and a half. And I know he obviously wasn't your only winner on the day. Why Piro as well was was very good, I thought, in the in the Hampton Court. Where where do you see him uh, plying his trade for the rest of the campaign? Look, I mean, he was he was mightily impressive, and I think it was it was it was really nice for for Ed and the and the Sioux family to see him bounce back at a mile and a quarter because after the Derby, you naturally have that. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a disappointment. You know, you go into the Derby hoping you're going to run a massive race and go well, and uh, look, he, he ran a very creditable race, but ultimately just didn't stay a mile and a half. And, and there's that bit of dejection about it all, and sort of go, oh, God, hopefully they bounce back. And Ed was bold in um, sort of bringing them back for Royal Ascot because it's a fast turnaround. Um, but look, I, I think the the mile and a quarter is where he's at. He showed an exceptional turn of foot and. Um, but there's, there's lots of nice options for him throughout the year now and um, you know hopefully he can now go on and, 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 and prove himself at the top level and for you uh, obviously I, I, I've told you your, your prize but you get you get to nominate a chosen charity for, for 500 quid as well who's it going to? yeah it, uh, I've, I've, I've spoken to Holly um, and, and um, we thought it'd be really nice to donate to the British Heart Foundation um, her dad actually had uh, a heart attack just before the Derby meeting, um, and uh, like he's 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 doing really well now and um, fixing up. So we thought it was a, a fitting time to to probably make that donation to them. Okay, well we we wish all our best to to Mark and, and hope he makes a very speedy recovery. And thanks so much. That's that's a that's a lovely idea. And um, 
enjoy the suit. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Tom likely to be on a very strongly fancied uh, market leader in the Northumberland Plate. One of his main market rivals is set to be Golden Rules, who was very impressive for his new stable at Kempton last time, was with the Gosdens, now with uh, Monmouthshire-based trainer Deborah Faulkner, who, who joins me on the line now. Uh, Deborah, is, is, are all systems go for, for Saturday? Hopefully we're all uh, up and ready to go, yeah. And so just tell me a little bit about how you came by the horse, why you bought him, what the story behind him is. Well, the story behind him, my son um, marked him out as a potential to look at at the sales and then thought he would probably make too much money. But um, he actually bought him for a reasonable amount. And we brought him home and give him a bit of time off and spent a lot of time with him swimming and settling him down and sort of slowly, very slowly, as you can see by the amount of time he had off, brought him back to race. He's a horse, a bit like last weekend's uh, Gold Cup hero, who's bred by by Anthony Oppenheimer from a a wonderful family, actually family of the, the Irish Oaks winner, um, Chiquita and an old Fittock stud family back in the day as well. So he's got the he's got the breeding, as you say. You, you picked him up for just six grand uh, in yeah, October twenty twenty one. Yeah, well, my, in all fairness, my son does have a very good eye for a horse. We take we're only a small stable, and you know we can't afford these sort of horses, so we we take chances with nicely bred horses that obviously you know got issues or need time or. You know, and and go from there. And luckily, we've hopefully brought him back. Uh, and did he? Did he? I don't know whether he, he's back to the standard that he was, but he didn't prove us wrong when we ran him at Kempton. Yes, yeah, certainly at Kempton when Ashine Murphy rode him, he he looked as though he was every bit as good as he used to be, and he was fourth in the Ascot Stakes for the Gosdens as a very lightly raced horse. What did Ashin say? He just said, don't be afraid not to run him again, uh, you know, run him too soon. And because we were worried about, obviously, the accidents. And, you know, just keep him fresh and pick your race. We were hopeful, well, we did put an entry in for him for the uh, Supreme Novice at Cheltenham because we schooled him and he, he jumps like an absolute bunny. And he loves it. But the ground, I don't want to risk him on that sort of ground, you know. He's a big, heavy, topped horse. So uh, that didn't happen, and then we were toying with the idea of running him at Ascot, and that didn't happen because it was, again, good firm. So we decided to go where we're going. And you're going to the Polytrack, to Newcastle, to this huge race. I mean, for a stable like yours, with a six grand purchase, having spent all that time getting the horse to come right, to be in here, single-figure price, uh, what's the mood like in the yard? Well, let's just say... um, you know, his stuff dreams are made of, really. They could be sort of all crash out on the day. But we go in there, and we're very lucky to be going there with a lovely horse, lovely owner. My son's done all the hard work, in all fairness to him. Um, the horse hasn't missed a beat. So I, I would say, you know, fingers crossed, we got as good a chance as any. Well, I wish you all the best. Thanks so much for talking to me, Deborah. Thank you very much. Uh, Lee Moss said still with me. Lee, Stuart Andrew, the gambling minister, has made an interesting contribution to your paper this morning. Yes, he has. He has um, submitted um, uh, a column. Uh, we caught another view column, the sidebar that runs down along to the main 
Colin Page. Um, Stuart Andrew, who I think at one point had been expected to attend Royal Ascot last week, has instead uh, sent some words across to the Racing Post. And the thrust of the the point behind the piece is he wanted to talk about um, the financial checks which are set to come in as part of the 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 government's new gambling legislation. Um, and Stuart Andrew writes that one area I know is particularly concerning to punters is financial risk checks. He says, we understand most people gambling, most people gamble without issue and problem gambling rates remain low. So I want to reassure readers these measures will not impact those people or anyone who put a few quid on horses at Ascot over the past few days. He also goes on to talk about the plan to review the horse race betting levy. He says we want racing to be appropriately funded and we will look at the evidence from betting and racing. I said back in April the white paper's impact on the SWAT would be minimal. I stand by this, he says. And he also references the fact that as part of the uh, the progression of the the legislation he says the government and the gambling commission will launch formal consultations over the coming months looking at the plans in more depth and the fact he's saying now they're looking at it in the coming months so nothing has yet happened underlines that this is very much going to be an ongoing marathon it's not suddenly set to turn into a sprint so today is Tuesday. It means we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's, their stallion book and their excellent global stallion app, on which you will find, of course, the elite stallions that stand at His Highness the Aga Khan's stud. See the stars at Giltown in Ireland and Sayuni standing in France with Zarak, the beautifully bred horse who's been an absolute sensation over the last couple of st- seasons and his fears steepled northwards. But it's not as though the... Uh, the elder statesmen are letting the side town see the stars with more Ascot success, courtesy of Desert Hero, about whom you were hearing from Tom Markwind earlier, uh, and uh, Sayuni. Well, what a week it was for him. Witch Hunter, but Paddington, of course, in the St. James's Palace, and Tahira in His Highness the Aga Khan's own colours. George Remo from the Aga Khan stud is my guest today and can bask in, in the glory of all that and indeed look forward to, to what is, is going to happen in the future for this extremely uh, esteemed outfit. Georges, let's let's start first of all by talking about Tahira and the and the compliment that she paid to to Sayuni and, and Sayuni's place in the, in the stallion firmament now. Well, the the success of the stallion is uh, has been well known for some time, but to have two um, two horses win such nice races uh, at Royal Ascot is uh, we might be French, but we, we still think it's a very good feast, and it's a, it's a great, uh, uh, really um, uh, a great day for for the farm, for the farm globally. I mean, we are based in France. Tahira was uh, was um, uh, raised in Ireland. It was great for the Irish farm. And uh, I think everybody joined in and was very, very pleased. What do you think? It, what do you think it is that has uh, has made him such a good stallion? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we all knew that. I guess we would keep making them, but I think it, it is. Um, he was a he was a little bit of a, but he was a very good two year old, very precocious, uh, and a very good one. He he won a Group One, and he was champion two year old in France. Uh, that year, then at three he was a little less 
uh, potent, but he, he ran over a mile every time, and he was just a little bit short of a mile, I think. Uh, and he, he has given a lot of speed to his progeny. He's always improved the quality of the mares. Mm. It really, really improves them, and especially, especially in the early days when he covered, um, I would say, more um, modest uh, quality of, uh, of mares. He was standing at 8,000 euro, you know, the, the very first year. So um, so obviously he got mares to cover at 8,000 euro. And, uh, but, he, you know, the first winners came and the second one and, and, and they kept coming and kept coming. So uh, I, I suppose the, the good mix of uh, Pivotal, Shyline, Nureyev being in there, uh, Nureyev has always been a great horse, and I've always liked uh, his progeny. And also, it doesn't mean that horse was going to be any good, but it just turned out to look. It's worked. It's worked really well, and uh, and it's it's getting increasingly better with his better books now. And I I, I wonder what's going to happen now with the books covering mares at uh, a value of one hundred fifty thousand this year. Uh, and we, we covered some really, really nice mares. You, you mentioned Evedia, who'd won the Coronation Stakes some years ago, eight years before Tahira did. And, and her, her son, Erevan, uh, wasn't a runner in the Queen Anne. He was third favourite for that going into it. Uh, Jean-Claude Rouget's saying he's taking taking the horse down a different route. Are you looking toward the Jacques Le Marois with him? Yeah, that, that would be his objective for the summer uh, in August. Uh, we might run him in the Musidor in Group 3 before that uh, in uh, July and uh, and then go on to the Jacques de Marois. I think uh, there was a little bit of a question mark on uh, on the on the ground. We felt uh, Royal Ascot can be quite fast. Unfortunately, it rained just before, I believe, on the Monday night or so. So that was just... Uh, but look, that's that's what we're aiming I think it's going to be a nice race he ran very well in it last year he was third and uh, and you know, we'll hope to do the right thing this year uh, tell, tell me how satisfying uh, the, the stud career of Zarak has been you know we know he's got a great pedigree to Bowie out of Zakava but for him to for him to have gone from from sort of humble humble beginnings as a stallion really despite his illustrious pedigree to standing for 60,000 euros how much of a kick has that given everybody well, it's pleased us a lot. It's kept us very, very busy <laughs> because he's extremely popular uh, because of his pedigree and, and, and probably more so now because of his performances, at least through his progeny. Uh, he has a, an amazing, again, this week, and we just received the, the, the stats for after last weekend, he has 45.5% of winners to runners, and I think it's almost the highest in the whole list of stallions. So he produces winners day after day all the time and he's had a, a very good ratio of, also of uh, stakes winners group winners so uh, at a he was at a I wouldn't say a reduced rate but he was a 12,000 euro to start we had to put him up to 25 quickly just to, to keep the, the number of mayors down to some reasonable uh, figure and then this year we had to put him up again uh, because he was just otherwise he would cover 300 mayors so um, I don't know what will happen with him, but uh, it, he is uh, extremely popular. Uh, he produces lovely, lovely looking horses, very good looking, very classy. Uh, he's more of a, a mile and a half horse, but has a, a killer of an acceleration. 
and I think, uh, as I've said to to uh, some of your uh, colleagues, I suppose that uh, because we're also marketing these horses for South Hemisphere these days, and uh, this this is a horse they need to watch because I think things now are going to change with him because well only going to not necessarily change but get better mm. because he's covering also a much better quality of mares uh, and i think that's going to be the, the next crops are going to be um, very interesting to see to watch uh, it seems a strange thing to say when i've been talking about you know horses that have graduated to the elite level of stallions in in see the stars and sayuni but is it fair to say that that zarak bears bears the brunt of a very significant um commercial expectation for the stud uh, well, yeah i mean he does bear the a significant amount of the, the weight uh, but um yeah but we we're working our way up you know and uh, you know it's 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 going well I mean, this year he's covered 140 mares we limited him uh, because we don't want to over uh, overuse them. I mean, you know, it's, this the business is on over time, and uh, we need to uh, protect the horses as well. And um, and he's done very well. Uh, so uh, th- these these horses are very important for us for the organization, uh, and those stallions need to be successful. They need to be properly managed. Um, and they need to be good, obviously, and that's you know nobody really knows what's going on. But we before we start, but uh, with uh, with good management, good good uh, good pricing, uh, we we can expect to get some nice mares, and uh, and and more so with the good performances uh, on the track of of the progeny. And I think this horse is, uh, I think, is the right thing. I think the. E- is going to surprise us more and more as we as we go on. I think we we've we've seen that sons of sons of Dubawi are can be good stallions, and this guy has certainly showed that to us. Um, so he's going to along with Siuni for the moment and and pick it up, and and hopefully we'll have more stallions as the years go on to uh, to provide for the running of this business. And that will encourage an awful lot of people. I, mean, I, I mentioned uh, the Princess Zara in the carriages. We know the, the deep love and interest she has in, in developing the, the, the business alongside her, her father. Um, it, this, is clearly, this is clearly something that the family feels very passionate should continue in perpetuity for another 100 years and more. Well, you, you would hope so. Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, His Highness is, is obviously still around, uh, a bit less visible, but and Zara is picking up from it, uh, picking up the, the the business from him, and uh, and with the, the the challenges that the uh, the economy uh, the puts in front of us, uh, we do need to be more uh, efficient commercially, and we need to take any opportunities and every opportunities that uh, we see fit to uh, to be as commercial as we can and to attract other people and i think we we've done uh, in the recent years i think we have developed a stallion station that is now uh, recognized whether it's in ireland and, and in france uh, and um, and we need to build on it uh, and indeed the, the the image that is put forward by having a uh, zara in in the carriages uh, uh, on in the procession that 
the royal procession, that royal ascot, is important. I whether I, I, I can't. I mean, I am I am French. I am in France. I, uh, I, I understand it. Has, it means a lot to uh, to Britain uh, and for racing in Britain. Uh, whether it means a lot to to everybody, uh, I can't say. I imagine it does. It's a, I find it interesting. I find it very nice, obviously, uh, and uh, and very. I think it's very important for Britain to keep this. Uh, this thing going uh, because it it's a sort of a flag bearer for everyone in Europe. And, and as far so, as far as I was going to say, as far as the broodmare band is concerned, I, I guess you know if you're if you're bringing on new stallions, you're bringing on younger stallions. You want to be more commercial. It's also important that you support them, and you've you've got this wonderful full broodmare band. But how important is it also that you you freshen and you revivify and you expand your broodmares so that you're always in, introducing some some new blood from time to time to try and push those stallions on? Uh, that's an interesting question. This is a. Uh obviously uh, something that is on the table for us to discuss as the years uh, uh, in front of us now. We have been in the past, or His Highness has been uh, in in the past used to, to buy entire mm-hmm. uh, breeding operations and this is how we have renewed over the years the, uh, the Broodmare Band progressively. Um, most recently was the Lagardère operation which has provided CUNY nonetheless, and, and a few other very nice horses. Uh, and uh, yes, we'll have to see how that, that, that goes. Does it go through the purchase of individual mares here and there or or uh, simply by using shrewdly uh, the right um, sigh lines to to alter the, the families to some degree, if, if that is what we wish to do. Um, but it is a it is on the table for discussion. Uh, there are not too many breeding operations to be bought <laughs> as a as a whole uh, these days, as you know. So um, uh, I think we'll have to take a a different route with regards to that. But it is a important considerations to have. Yes, and. Uh, Tahira, who has been wonderful this season, winning the the Irish Guineas and the Coronation Stakes, what do you think the rest of the season will look like for her? Well, obviously she's. I think she's just returned to Ireland uh, yesterday. Uh, it's possibly just a little bit early to know, but I think that uh, uh, the trainer and and Pat Downs have been discussing it, and Princess Zara. Uh, the matron stakes seems to be the uh, the next objective. Uh, whether there will be a race in between, I think the trainer will decide that uh, as um, as she resumes training. She's going to take a short break uh, for a couple of weeks, and then she uh, she will start training again, and then uh, decisions will really be made at that time. All right, that was George Remo. Uh, Lee Mottishead still with me. Uh, Lee. Just news dropping as I'm speaking that Artorius has been retired after his fourth placed effort in the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. Uh, saw yeah. him a couple of times at Ascot, ran well both times. Yeah, ran well in the July Cup as well. I was an Artorius backer on Saturday. Nick, got to be honest, I thought he ran better than he did. He ran a typical sort of Artorius race, best work late. Um, he was a highly effective group one performer 
Certainly not an outstanding Australian sprinter, but a very good one who will no doubt be popular at stud. All right, Lee, have you got a tip for me for today? I have. I am going to Newbury this evening, Nick, for the 7.15 race, the Donington Grove Vets Handicap. Um, the familiar colours, those that were registered to the late Henry Ponsonby, will be carried by Noble Masquerade, ridden by William Buick, trained by Eve Johnson-Horton, a horse who loves very fast ground, hasn't had many opportunities to race on that ground recently on two starts ago at Windsor he did and he ran a big race he's been dropping down the weights I think he's overpriced and I'm therefore tipping no bought masquerade in the 715 at Newbury all right Lee thanks so much thank you very much for listening that was Tuesday June the 27th we will see you again tomorrow bye-bye you've been listening to Nick Luck Daily Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.